0: Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What?
1: Our lives. What what kind of lives are these? We're like children.
0: We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? No, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah,
2: well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't.
1: There is so much that I want to talk about, and I just have no idea where to begin. There's these baseball rules that are being proposed that I am in love with. Not baseball rules as much as a playoff format. There's the XFL from over the weekend. There is quarterback news in the NFL today pertaining to Phillip Rivers and apparently the Buccaneers. If you have a good quarterback, they want him. Maybe they're just flexing towards Jameis Winston. I don't know. Um, but plenty to talk about, plenty to talk about. The Sabres are continuing to roll along in uh, in purgatory near the bottom of the standings, not near a playoff race, and back to playing Detroit and Columbus. Didn't this just happen? D- didn't that happen last week? Didn't we play the Red Wings and Blue Jackets already at home? Uh, apparently that's happening again this week. Sabres have the Red Wings tomorrow night, then they have the Blue Jackets on Thursday, so you'll get me on uh, tonight and Friday. I believe we have Niagara basketball on the airwaves on Wednesday. Sneaky Joe DiBiasi here on the Nightcap 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation tonight and let's start with the uh, let's start with the baseball rules because I'm not typically the person who's going to take an opportunity to talk about baseball very often. It's not my sport. In fact, I consider myself a really big sports fan, and I like all sports. Like, if there is a big UFC fight, I am interested in it. I am watching it. I watched the John Jones-Dominic Reyes fight from over the weekend at UFC 247. I also believe, by the way, Uh, not to get off topic here, but I think Dominic Reyes won that fight. Anyways, I'll watch UFC. I will watch boxing if there is a big fight. I love it. I will watch soccer. If it's on Wednesday at 3 o'clock, and it doesn't even have to be the big teams, if it is... Sheffield United and Aston Villa. Like, I'm watching that game. I'm watching it. If there is a European international soccer tournament and, like, Spain's playing the Netherlands, I'm watching it. So I'm watching soccer. I'm obviously watching hockey. Right now on the TV, I've got Capitals and Islanders today. I'm flipping around to see like there's anything I can put on in the background. I see Capitals, Islanders on NBCSN. Like, alright, I get excited for that. So I'll watch hockey. I'll watch basketball, mostly in the playoffs, but you know, even in the regular season. If you've got a marquee matchup, if Lakers Clippers is on, like I'll make a point to watch that. If you've got high profile individual players like that, I'm there. Football, obviously. The XFL, I'm watching it on this week, like this weekend. I'm giving it a chance. It's a curiosity for me just to see what's going on. We'll get into a lot of what happened in the XFL over the weekend and maybe the sustainability of the league, but I enjoyed it. So I'm watching football. I'm watching XFL football, even. The one sport I personally cannot find myself, I cannot find the motivation to get into, is baseball. And I know I am not the only person like that. Baseball, frequently... Is mentioned as a dying sport. It's not going away. It's not, you know, it's not twenty years down the road, we're gonna have baseball. But it was once upon a time the biggest sport in the world. It was the big well, at least the biggest sport in the country. And it's been replaced three times over. Football is huge. Basketball is the fastest growing sport in the country right now. Soccer is actually growing. It's no longer You know, you probably heard for 20 years of soccer's growing, fastest sport in America. Now it's, like, actually growing. Like, young people are into soccer. Like, majority of the people I know and hang out with that are sports fans are at some level interested in soccer. That sport is coming. UFC is a growing sport. Hockey's kind of plateauing for the last 30 years. But, you know, hockey fans are hockey fans. Baseball, it's almost like the, the arrow's pointing down. And how do you appeal... To young fans like myself. How do you get me interested in baseball? Because that is a problem that Major League Baseball has. And they've really not, they've really not seemed to have the appetite to want to reach fans like me. It seems like, you know, the sense that I get is that baseball is just like, yeah, we're fine. We're just going to keep going the way we're going, traditions, and we'll get mad at each other if someone flips a bat. And we're not going to have any fun. We're just going to go along, play 162 games where none of them are really all that meaningful until you get right to the very end. And then maybe there's like three, four games in the regular season that matter to a playoff race. That's how I see baseball. And that has become a growing, a more popular opinion of that sport. And really, there's been no change. You know, the, the length of the games is something that's co- gets talked about a lot, right? Has that ever changed? Has the length of games... Have they showed any solutions to fix that? Because that's the biggest issue. There's no pitch clock. There's They're not, you know... Are they really punishing anybody for waiting too long. I think they're starting to do that, maybe with, like, warnings. But I'm not probably the one to speak on this because I'm not really watching a lot of baseball. But this is something. This is something that I know does not... It doesn't really... What do I want to say here? It it doesn't do anything for the actual game itself. Once I'm sitting down to watch baseball, it's still the same product, right? But... What's one thing that right now NFL the NFL has and what the NBA has? What do they have? They have things happening in their league that are, are so interesting that it consumes 99% of sports talk radio and sports talk television in the United States. We, we talk about hockey a lot here on our station. They talk about it a little bit in Boston, and that's like about it. Nobody really talks about hockey at length in sports radio, in sports television. You get an NHL network. You'll get it here and there. If you really want to seek it out, you can find it. But you can't just turn on ESPN and watch a debate about Alex Ovechkin. Is he going to catch Wayne Gretzky's record? You can't find that easily. And baseball is kind of the same thing. And when I saw... The tweets from the reporter, whose name is escaping me right now, um, but the guy from the New York Daily News, I'll find it in a second here, Joel Sherman. Joel Sherman tweets out the report originally that Major League Baseball planning a radical change. Planning a radical change, by the way. He doesn't say considering. He says planning. By 2022, a move from five to seven teams in each league, and the teams with the best records pick their opponents. He tweets this out. Within that scope, you scroll a little bit further down on Twitter, and you'll quickly find Joel Sherman talking about how one reason that Major League Baseball wants to do this is it will grow in terms of the radio and sports television. His exact words were, MLB is hoping that this creates all kind of debate on Sports Talk Radio slash TV internet, going into a show with great anticipation of who each team picks. That is a jumping off point for me. It is. Because I'm never going to like the sport enough to watch it night in and night out in the regular season. If at all. That's just not going to be me. Never. But the playoffs really should... You should be getting general casual fans to your playoffs. Even even hockey does that to some extent. And this is a way to have to take it to get an advantage on the other sports. Because if you have this, how interesting is that? It's 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 amazingly interesting. I don't care about the teams at all, and I will be riveted to see who picks who and the reasoning behind it. And then furthermore, I know me personally, I am going to look forward to the matchups even more. Because one thing about baseball is it seems that they get pretty—they uh, get offended very easily. Right? A bat flip offends the whole team and you have to start bench-clearing brawls. Um, you hit a guy with a pitch by accident and everybody's fighting each other. You stare down a home run. You celebrate a home run in any way and you've got a problem on your hands. This, what is this going to do? If I don't know the Dodgers, who are the one seed, decide instead of picking the the seven seed in this example because they would be expanding to seven, that they're gonna pick um, you know they're gonna pick the Nationals who are the five seed because they've got an injury a pitcher or they just hey maybe they just think they're the seventh best team. Suddenly, are the Nationals all offended by it? Are Nationals fans offended by it? That can create rivalries. That can create pettiness. That can create more interesting games and more reason to watch the games. I do not see an argument against this. Unless you're so worried, if you're baseball here, if you're so worried about how thin-skinned your management is, your ownerships are, your players, that you think that's going to be too big of an issue. Because if they can all just get over themselves for just a little bit and understand that this is absolutely 100,000% the best thing for your sport to create ratings, to to get people interested in it. This is what you do. So clearly, this is what you do. And the one thing about baseball that always really does annoy me, and I know a lot of people listening to me right now are probably very annoyed because you're this fan I'm about to talk about. The guy who doesn't want baseball changed, doesn't want it to be gimmicky at all. You know, we've been going for 100 years. Why do we need to change anything? Who asked for this? I saw a lot of baseball fans tweeting that out. Who asked for this? I ask for this. Baseball, to me, in this moment, if they make a decision like this, it will probably anger their core fans. Right? Uh, Sal, earlier today when he was on the show and the Bulldog mentioned when baseball added the wild card, people were not happy with it. But guess what? Now you're watching the games. You're watching those wild card games because they're exciting. They're intriguing. And that's the way you need to think. The NBA right now, they're the hottest thing going. And they're like, all right, we're, we're going to add in-season tournaments. And we're going to give the winner, you know, a first-round pick and automatic entry into the playoffs. We're going to uh, reseed. And we're going to go 1-16. through 16. We're not going to do conferences for the playoffs. So, you know what, if we get Portland versus Miami in the first round, all right, that's fine. Because that's exciting, that's fair. And that way we don't have would never have a situation like the NBA had a couple of years ago where the conference finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets was more intriguing and more important really to who won the championship than the actual finals because nobody in their right mind ever thought the Cleveland Cavaliers after Kyrie Irving left had a chance the NBA is doing everything great they are growing their fan base is growing and they're still deciding we're, we could still change things because we still think we can get better. They're not afraid of change. And I feel like baseball has always been afraid of change. Which is why Mike Schoep always talks about this idea of picking your opponents for the playoffs. It makes so much sense because it's fun. And there's really no strong counter-argument. But, did anybody think... Baseball was going to be the first league to adopt that rule. Did anybody really think that? And why why would nobody think that? Because, again, they seem to be the league among them all. Hockey may be a close second that is always so afraid of change. They're so afraid they're going to alienate their core fans. Well, guess what? How's that going for you? Because if it is the, the most, if it's the dying sport in the United States right now, which it kind of is, you know, the, the, the average age of a baseball fan continues to rise and rise and rise. How do you change that? you got to do something about it. You've got to actually change something. You've got to somehow generate more interest in your sport because what are you going to do from within? I guess that could happen. You know, more home runs um, seem to be. Uh, although, I, I don't know that the home, more home runs is really helping them right now because it's actually less action in the game. I don't know. But I think this is the right thing to do. I'm, I love that they're doing it. I hope that they actually follow through with it. Joel Sherman's tweets make it sound like they're doing it because he says that they're planning, not considering. He used the word planning, not considering. And even like his wording, when he says MLB is hoping that this creates all kind of debate, when that sentence right there, MLB is hoping that this creates, that is worded like this is something that's going to happen. So if it does happen, I can't wait. And that will absolutely get me more interested in the MLB playoffs than I have ever been before. And second fold, I really hope that it goes well. Because I would love... To be sitting here in five, ten years and everyone's doing it now. The NHL's doing it. The Sabres are the two seed and they get a choice. They can pick whoever they want in the playoffs. They can pick you know, between Boston and Toronto. And we have a week of conversation leading into it, who do we want to play? And then maybe a week after with, oh what is who's the GM of the Sabres at that point? Who, what is Danny Briere doing? Why is he picking the Flyers when Toronto's goalie's injured? Terrible decision. I want to be having those conversations because those are fun conversations. And sports, is, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be entertaining. And that's what this is. So what are we doing? What's the counter argument? That it's changing the game? It's making it too gimmicky? Guess what? Everything that's fun in sports was probably considered gimmicky at one point. Extra playoff games was probably considered gimmicky, right? Everything the XFL did on Saturday and Sunday probably seemed gimmicky. The kickoff rule. The, the one, two, three point, extra point rule. Probably, you know, gimmicky. Who cares? It was awesome. And it worked. And now people might actually be into the XFL. Be a little gimmicky. Don't be afraid to be a little gimmicky. That's what I would say to baseball. That's what I would say to baseball fans. And I'm glad that maybe Major League Baseball is stepping up here and they're not afraid to be gimmicky. Because in this report from Joel Sherman, New York Post, he seems to think and he is sounding like this is the thing that's going to happen. Baseball is going to expand from five to seven playoff teams and the best teams will get to pick. Who they play? Not just the best teams. I assume this means they'll go in order. But you will draft your playoff opponent. Awesome. I think it's absolutely awesome. And I don't. I don't really understand the uh, the counter argument. I know there are counter arguments. I know uh, there are a lot of people with them. But I just I don't get it. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. If you got any thoughts on this proposed baseball rule, of course we will uh, be willing to take, or we'll absolutely take your calls here. But I do want to switch gears. I want to get into football for most, if not the rest, of the show. Um, quarterback news in the NFL today pertaining to Philip Rivers, the Chargers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's like a list of quarterbacks that they're interested in. Um, how Tom Brady maybe fits into that picture, and then what I saw from the XFL over the weekend, because I am into it, and I liked it, and I might tell you in two weeks that it, I'm no longer watching it, but for now, like they've got me in. So we'll talk a little bit about the XFL as well and uh, the NFL. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Stay tuned here on WGR.
2: up with four just because somebody's going to be so intrigued by Jordan Love they want to get the fifth year I just I'm not sure I can see anybody talking themselves into Jake From in round one and I don't think Jacob Eason has a shot so I would say Love's the wild card to give us four but three for sure and probably four if somebody talks themselves
3: into Love.
1: That is John Ledyard from the Pewter Report earlier today with Mike Schopen, in the Bulldog. Find that on demand at WGR550.com and the Radio.com app. Mentioned in the first segment that I've got uh, Capitals and Islanders on in the background here. The Islanders generally play very, very defensive. They scored, but they scored two goals in the first 10 minutes. Alex Ovechkin scores his 699th goal of his career uh, just moments ago, and it wasn't like a typical OV goal. Like It went off his butt and in. Um, but... He's one away. He's one away from 700, and this guy, I've been saying it for two years now. It's not like I was the first one to this. I think John Bucciagross maybe was the first person that started tweeting about it, and then I just kind of jumped on the bandwagon. But I have thought for a couple years now, Ovechkin's going to break this Gretzky record. He's going to be the leading. By the time he's done playing hockey, he will have more goals than any person who's ever lived in the NHL. He'll have the most ever and he just scored for his 41st of the season in 55 games. Um he's probably going to get to 60. Which he's only done once before by the way and it's been a while, 2008. He was 22 the last time he reached 60. So I was I was thinking a couple years ago when I first started like pacing it out like okay, how is Ovechkin going to break this record? He's got to go, you know, 40 to 50 the next 2-3 years. Then he's got to have a couple of 35-goal seasons, and then he's got to play to 41 with a couple of 20-goal seasons. And at this pace, he's 34. And if you score 60 at 34, and who knows how long you're playing at that level. Who knows when the decline comes? Because it's not like... Well, first of all, Ovechkin's a tank physically. He has stayed relatively healthy his entire career. He's missed like... Let's see, he played 81 games last year, 82 the two years before that, 79 before that. So we're up to four games total, five, six, seven. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking about, like, I count on two hands maybe, how many games he's missed. It's like 20. 20 games in 15 years, maybe. Maybe not even that much. He stays healthy. And it's not like... <laughs> it's not like what he does, you lose that easily. It's not like... He needs his speed to fly up and down the ice. It's not like he needs his, his. he's kind of a power forward in a way, but he doesn't need to be scoring goals in front of the net. He can just sit on the face-off dot on the power play and rip him. You don't really lose that very early. So maybe he gets to a 1,000. Is that crazy? Is, is Ovechkin getting to 1,000 goals crazy? What is that, 108 more than Gretzky's record? The thing I wonder, though, is if he's 39 years old and he's already been thinking about hanging him up, but he's hanging around just to break the record and then he breaks the record, where does his motivation lie? Because me personally, I'm not sure how he operates in this respect, but if I were him, I would be all about that record. Like That would fuel me to play as long as I can until I get that. And he kind of sounds the same. When he's been asked about that record, he, he was asked earlier in the year, It's like, what do you do once you do it? He's like, I'd probably retire the next day. Which makes it sound like to me maybe he'd hang around just for that. So maybe he doesn't get to 1,000, but maybe he does. If he's scoring 60 goals this year and he scores 50 next year, (laughs) I mean, he's he's not that far off. He's not that far off for a 35-year-old man who can still shoot the puck better than anybody ever. So they're the cup favorites right now, by the way. I'm all about the Capitals this year. I've, I've kind of found this love for Ovechkin more recently. I didn't really like him early in his career. But I found my way to loving Ovechkin. And um, I'm I'm kind of rooting for the Capitals. I may have, may not have placed a bet on them to win the Cup, and that might, attri- that might um, you know, attribute to my rooting for them, too. But I like the Capitals. Like Ovechkin. Anyways, that was not a hockey thing there. That was John Ledyard on quarterbacks. Um... Which was now probably about three minutes ago. But he mentions there he thinks four quarterbacks go in the first round. Somebody falls for Jordan Love. And the more interesting thing to me, one, I don't think Burrow's that interesting. There's some talk out there that that the Bengals won't take Burrow. I'm finding that hard to believe. I know that they're the Bengals and that you have to wonder about their motivations all the time. But I think they take him. Uh, Miami just seems like they're going to get Tua some way or another. Maybe it's a five. Maybe they move up a couple spots. And then Justin Herbert's where it gets interesting. And with today's news that Phillip Rivers is not returning to the Chargers, they'd have to be the favorites, would they not? They pick sixth. If Miami's taking Tua, they're one spot ahead of them. The Giants aren't doing it. The Lions aren't doing it. Washington's not doing it. You've got Carolina one spot behind you who might want to do it. You've got the Buccaneers, who Jenna Lane from ESPN reported today. They like Justin Herbert. They're sitting at 14. So you've got teams that would have to move up to get him. But you should be in the driver's seat to draft Justin Herbert out of Oregon if you want to do it. And that would be my guess right now. My guess would be the Chargers have Justin Herbert as their quarterback. And maybe Tom Brady above him. Brady is to me, the one guy, the one veteran that they would maybe go for. Because it seems like they want to, if you want the, I don't know, if you want the the veteran quarterback that gives you a chance, you had him. You had Phillip Rivers. If you're just going to replace Phillip Rivers with, I don't know, James Winston, or you're going to replace him with Marcus Mariota, or Teddy Bridgewater, like one of these retreads, Is that really going to go a long way in the short term for your Super Bowl odds? Because it's not doing it on the long term. Herbert doesn't help you this year to winning a Super Bowl, but he definitely increases your chances of doing it in the next five to ten years. Because if you hit that pick, then you've got your next franchise quarterback. You know you don't have a franchise quarterback to me in Marcus Mariota, or even Tyrod Taylor, who's already there. But Brady... Brady to the Chargers still holds water to me. Because even though it's not too different than Rivers, it's a veteran short-term fix who is still, you know, there's reason to believe he's still pretty good, but he's not at the height of his powers. That's Brady. The difference is the Chargers have this added factor of tickets and selling suites. And they are a flat-out, reading this ESPN story on them that came out about a month ago, about their season ticket sales and what their projections were and where they actually ended up and the the amount of seats, the suites that they've sold and how mad the Rams are at them for not holding up their end of the bargain on the stadium. The Chargers in all of that are a flat-out embarrassment. They're the biggest embarrassment in the sport. They were playing in a soccer stadium for two years that holds 27,000 people and almost every game. 20,000 of that 27,000 was the other team's fans. The biggest embarrassment in the sport in that regard. And they don't have a fan base in LA. They don't. But what's one what what would go the longest way to to reaching where you want to be, which is having fans in the first place in the city you play in, which shouldn't be all that, you know, it's pretty simple. You kind of want to have that I think before your third season playing in a city, but they're still there. What what would help you the most? It is Tom Brady. And I could see why the owner, Dean Spano, I think is the, the Chargers owner, sitting in his office thinking, I can go with Rivers again. Or I can go with Brady, who gives me the same chance to win. And maybe I sell twice the amount of sweets. Maybe I actually have some sort of solid season ticket base now. Maybe. Maybe there won't be as much pressure on me to move back to San Diego. Just because I bring in Tom Brady and I'm trying to capture a fan base. I just got to get them in. Got to get them in the door. And then they're here. It it works for the Chargers. Because they also have a roster that is built to win right now. They just need the quarterback. They have good wide receivers. Very good wide receivers. Mike Williams... Like the Bills, everyone all these all ever all the Bills fans, including myself, we're like we're talking about they gotta find that number one wide receiver, but they need to find that number one wide receiver that can go up and make a 50-50 catch, right? Chargers have that. Mike Williams isn't quite a number one wide receiver, but there are few guys in the league better at going up in tight coverage and coming away with a circus catch. There are fewer guys in the league you'd rather throw the ball to Because you're out of options, and you just got to throw it somebody's way and hope that he comes down with it. Mike Williams does that. They have him. They have Keenan Allen, who's one of the best slot receivers in the league, if not the best slot receiver in the league. You've got a good tight end in Hunter Henry. We'll see if he actually returns there. He is a free agent, but if you bring him back, you've got a good tight end. You've got one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league from last season in Austin Eckler. And you've got a really good... You've got a pretty good defense. You know, the pass rush is the strength of it with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. But you've got a really solid pass rush. You've got a respectable defense. If I'm Tom Brady, and my biggest problem with New England right now is they did not surround me with weapons to work with. It's hard to do better among what Brady will have to pick from than the Chargers, who have... Maybe two number 1 wide receivers. A better tight end than he had in New England. And a better pass-catching running back than he had in New England. It's pretty good. Better offensive line, too. So, to me, it makes sense from Brady's perspective. Plus, you know, L.A., you're 42 years old. It's kind of a, right, wouldn't you rather be in the warmth of Los Angeles than in uh, the, do the, you want to be playing football in Boston in your 40s in January and February? Maybe it does. I don't know. I don't know what Brady's motivation is right now. I don't think anybody knows, obviously. But he's trying to make everybody think that whatever his motivation is could lead him away from New England. And I'm inclined to believe him a little bit. I'm also inclined to be skeptical, though. Because even though I've talked a couple of times now about where Brady could end up, because it's fun it's fun to think about where he could end up. One respect, because the long nightmare is over of him ruling the AFC East, Hopefully. But part of me does have to be skeptical because if I were Tom Brady and I wanted to play one, maybe two more years and New England, all my career has been taking advantage of my contract. The fact that I'm willing to take a lower cap hit for other roster players for, for winning. I've been willing to do that. I need If I go into my free agent 42-year, 42-years-old year, I need to make the Patriots think that I will actually leave because otherwise they'll never give me that monster contract on the way out. He needs to establish some leverage. So maybe, and he'd be smart if he did this, if this is what he's doing, he needs to make the Patriots think he'd leave to make them pay him big on the way out, to give him 30 to 35 million bucks. To get him weapons that he didn't have last season. Because otherwise, if if Belichick was sitting there, like, you'll never leave here. <laughs> he could have thought that. Like, you'll never leave here. You're 42. You're really gonna you're gonna go now? I I don't need to pay you 35 million. You, you, shut up, take your 25 million, and we're gonna go do some other stuff on the defense. Instead, Brady, through all of this, even the tweet. That people thought, oh, is he leaving Foxborough? Is he walking out of Gillette Stadium? To whoever's putting out... Whoever's giving Adam Schefter information that the Raiders could be a landing spot for Brady. To whoever's giving information to Jenna Lane from ESPN that Tampa would be interested in Tom Brady. To him selling his house and having that out there in Massachusetts, his house in Massachusetts. He's doing a pretty good job, to me, selling to the Patriots that he would leave. I hope that's not what he's doing, though. I hope he legitimately would like to leave and would like to maybe, you know, if he goes out and wins a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick, his legacy is already maybe the best quarterback of all time, but you won't really have that comeback anymore. Of Yeah, but he did it with Belichick, best coach of all time. Was it really all Brady? Was it Brady or Belichick? If he wants to step out in front of Belichick, who's going to have a chance, by the way, once Brady leaves, of taking advantage in that, it's kind of a silly argument to me. But people have it. Belichick will have an opportunity to come out in front in that argument, in that debate, if Brady retires, which he will at some point, and he goes out and wins a Super Bowl with another quarterback. Brady could look at that and think, "I want to have that. Ch- I want to have my chance at that." Because if I go to the Colts or the Chargers and I win a Super Bowl this year. Now, now who, now who was more important in Foxborough? Now tell me that I'm a system quarterback. I I'm saying that just because people say it. We actually had someone call the station today and say it during one Bills live. Um, I don't believe that though. I think it's silly, but it's out there. The Buccaneers are interesting too. We'll talk about them a little bit when we come back. Um, before we get into uh, some more draft stuff in the second hour. Um, there's a list of quarterbacks Tampa could look at and they might be the most interesting team in the league for who their starting quarterback is week one. couple minutes on the Buccaneers, and then uh, we'll get back into the Bills offseason a little bit, the draft, wide receiver, etc. cetera, when we return. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiasi here on WGR. <laughs>
4: This is one of my favorite fits in the first round, actually, just because the Bills, even though they have some talents at wide receiver, they don't really have a go-to guy in that sense. And I think we really saw that in the playoff game loss to the Texans just because Josh Allen, he progressed really nicely, but you always want to find that go-to guy to pair with your young quarterback. And the Bills don't really have that right now. They have a bunch of smaller guys that really dominate in different areas of the field, but they don't have that guy that can really dominate in all three areas of the field. And that's exactly what LaVisca Chenault does.
1: Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. I'm with Howard and Jeremy this morning. Yeah, Lavisca Cheneau, Colorado. All right. I'm not. I don't need the certain type of receiver. I do think the Bills and Josh Allen especially could have used a guy like that last season. The and what I'm talking about is a guy that, when Josh Allen drops back to pass and the pressure is coming and nobody's open, where do I throw it? That guy. Because that happened a couple times last season. In important spots, too. I mentioned this before, but the last play of the Raven game. Allen drops back to pass. The Ravens send the house. The ball's got to come out. And nobody's open. Where do I go? John Brown in tight coverage. About a pretty good throw, but doesn't matter. Because the catch radius isn't there. Then the New England game. Last play. You're down to your last play. Ball's got to go to the end zone. Drop back to pass, New England sends the house. Ball's got to come out. Where am I going? Jump ball to 5'9", Cole Beasley in double coverage. Not going to work. It's just not going to work. So you need a guy like that. But I don't need the Bills to force it. If the best receiver on the board, I believe Ledyard, John Ledyard, who was on as well was Shope in the Bowl, though. We played a clip from him earlier. TCU receiver Jalen uh, Rigor, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Regor, the TCU guy. Ledyard thinks he's going to run in the four twos, and he thinks he's a late first-round pick as well. That's not maybe the type of receiver we're talking about, but don't force that big, slow receiver just because he's big. If t- if you don't like t. Higgins, t. Higgins, T. Higgins is that guy. If you think this Regor is going to be better, pick him. That's what I would do. Makes the most sense to me. If you have a choice between, you know, you would never know this, but if you think one guy can be the next Tyreek Hill or the other guy could be the next, I don't know, I'm searching for a name here while I'm thinking, but the other guy could be the next, what, Devin Funchess. You're not going to pick the Devin Funchess guy because he's big. Are you pick the guy who could be like, amazing? That could be your real number one wide receiver because modern day number one wide receivers don't have to be six foot five. They don't. Tyreek Hill is a number one wide receiver for the Chiefs. He is. Well, Kelsey actually might be. But T.Y. Hilton for the Colts has been a very good number one wide receiver for them for a long time. He's like 5'10. I would just caution the Bills not to force it. And that's kind of why this Greg Olson thing is kind of important. Because if you can bring in Greg Olson and suddenly I've got two big physical pass catchers now at tight end in Greg Olson and hopefully a more consistent Dawson Knox in year two. Well, I would would feel like the Bills should have less pressure on them now to go upgrade from Duke Williams as the the 50-50 catch guy at wide receiver. The big physical wide receiver. So hopefully they land this Greg Olson thing. He was in Washington visiting today. Um, He's supposed to visit in Seattle on Wednesday. And hopefully when he sits down and has to think about what gives me the best combination of a chance to win, as well as familiarity with guys I've worked with before, the Bills kind of, you know, they meet both criteria. The Seahawks, he's not really familiar from what I've read with guys that work in Seattle. Plus it's on the other side of the country. But you have a great chance to win. Washington, you've got Ron Rivera, who Olsen had even came out and like respects him mightily as a head coach and as a person. But are you going to win in Washington? Because that's not happening. The Bills give you a little of both. So hopefully that that ends up, uh, that, that sales pitch is enough for him to come here. And I guess we'll see maybe at the end of the week. That's what Rappaport says. 8030550 is the phone number. What I saw from the XFL. In our number two, as well as our interview of the day, which we'll get to on the other side as well. George Schwab from uh, Yahoo talking about the XFL and also some of this quarterback stuff that's been floating around uh, in the league today. We'll hear from him as well. Uh, Frank Schwab. Frank Schwab from Yahoo. We'll hear from him in the second hour coming up. So stay tuned. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Your calls after this on WGR
0: enjoy a tall cool dude i grew up like most kids worried i couldn't bench two plates that i wouldn't fit in that i wouldn't find love then i discovered partying and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside i didn't need love i had keg stands i discovered i was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself i could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh. You know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential.
2: The Nightcap
0: on WGR. Sports Radio 550.
1: That guy's got the right idea. Just party all the time. You can make a living doing that, can't you? Maybe not. Apparently, Alex Ovechkin did not score his 699th goal of the year. He was tied up in front, and apparently, it did not go off his butt. It went off of defenseman Johnny Boychuk of the Islanders, so John Carlson got credit for the goal. So, that five minutes I spent on Ovechkin, I guess, may be a little pointless, maybe a little not. Um, he's still two away from 700, and he is still 192, I think is the math, is the number. Um, from Wayne Gretzky. He's, he's on his way, though. 192. It's not a lot. The Sabres will be back in action tomorrow night against Detroit Red Wings, then Thursday against Columbus. And, you know, I hate to pile on. I hate to pile on. But it's easy. How do you not have 2000's night when Anaheim's in town? I. It's... My frustration with the Sabres all season is that it's little things like that that seem to be always missed and constantly missed. Ryan Miller is in town. Even if he's not going to start the game, he's on the bench. You can incorporate him in some way to 2000's night. He was one of the most important players in that decade. In fact, you could argue he was the best Sabre in that decade. He won the Vesna in the 2009-2010 season which technically is part of that decade. Um you knew he was going to be on Anaheim. It's only a couple days before. I don't know. It's my frustration's been little things like that, I guess. Saw someone point that out earlier on Twitter like, "Hey, why not, you know, why not do it against Anaheim so Ryan Miller can be involved?" He tweeted out that he was, you know, he's he wishes he could be. Brian Campbell's going to be there. J.P. Dumont. How often does Miller get to see old teammates like J.P. Dumont? I don't know. And It would have been a nice opportunity, I thought. But, here we are. Ten points out of a playoff race. The final stretch of the Navy Blue jerseys, though. That's the thing I keep reminding myself. Keep it on a loop in your head. If you ever feel bad about the Sabres, and you need something to look forward to, that's maybe all you've got to look forward to um, with the team right now. But, you have Royal Blue on the way next season and what will actually be the Sabres' 50th season and their actual 50th anniversary, so maybe they'll extend it out to next year when it's actually their 50th season. I hope that happens, um, but we'll see. Back to football, though. We'll talk about the XFL in a little bit, but the uh, conversation we were having at the end of the first hour, Phillip Rivers no longer... Going to be with the Chargers. That was a joint statement today by the Chargers and Phillip Rivers. He's going to test free agency. We will end up seeing where he ends up going. Um, Tampa seems to be the favorite at this point. I kind of like Indianapolis for him, though. Apparently he's familiar with Frank Reich, uh, so that could be a connection. He would, to me, be an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. Not that Rivers was all that good last year, but Brissett was kind of a, you know, the first four or five games he was all right, and then after that just didn't do anything for Indy, so. Maybe Indy's is a spot for him. And then, of course, you've got another opening now for Tom Brady because of the Chargers moving on from Rivers, a spot that people have connected Brady to because of the ticket um, the ticket thing and also just there being an opening and a team that's built to win right now. It makes sense for Tom Brady. Um, and then you've got this list that Jenna Lane tweets out from ESPN. The, the Buccaneers, I think they're just flexing. To get Winston down on his money, I heard a report, or I heard somebody on uh, was he that maybe the herd, Colin Coward, a couple weeks ago, say that Winston's asking for a big. Oh no, it was Peter King. Peter King actually on our station a couple weeks ago. He said that Tampa is not meeting what Winston's asking for right now. Winston's asking for a big amount of money, and maybe Jen Elaine tweeting out probably because of something she heard from the Buccaneers that they're interested in. This is the list. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Phillip Rivers, and Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> okay. So they're interested in every quarterback that you could argue is good. That's going to be available in free agency. Okay. To me, what that could be is, hey, Jameis, we're not paying you this. We'll go get one of these guys. And you can go back up somewhere because go. Look, good luck finding a starting job. I still think there's a good, solid chance that Winston ends up as their starting quarterback next year. If I had to bet money on who it would be, if it's not him, probably Phillip Rivers. Um, but Tampa is maybe the most interesting right now because they're kind of a wild card. They pick 14th. They're not really close enough, you would think, to get their hands on Justin Herbert unless they really move up. And they could go any way, any which direction, that quarterback. Bruce Arians is kind of a quarterback whisperer. He gets a lot of credit for that. He's a little bit older, so you would think maybe a rookie is not up his alley. Maybe he wants to win right now. I would think that would probably be likely. And who gives you the best chance out of that crop? I mean, Tannehill maybe, but he's probably staying in Tennessee. Could be Rivers. Maybe it, Brady. I would say Brady's better than Rivers at this point, but I just can't. I cannot see Brady in Tampa. I, I just can't. The jerseys, the franchise. I, I, I don't know. Something about it. There's to me, there's no way that can happen. It would look weird. Cam Newton not on that list, by the way. He's he'll be interesting to see what happens up happening with him. Anyways, speaking of Phillip Rivers, speaking of what the Chargers might do, and also a little bit on what Tampa might do as well. Matt Money Smith. Chargers play by play man also does work for NFL Network. He was on with the guys at One Bills Live earlier today, Murph and Tasker. So, for a little bit more on what the Chargers plans may be and what the future may lie ahead for Phillip Rivers, who, by the way, actually, before I go to Matt Smith here, I wanted to say this. There are, I've said this before, but there are a select few athletes that I've seen play through on the highest level, torn ACLs, which I don't know. Maybe there's, I'm sure there's a different severity that you can have with that injury, but the ultimate tough guys are the guys who are playing through that injury, probably risking long-term knee damage. Phillip Rivers played a playoff game on a torn ACL. He played a, let me say that again. Phillip Rivers played a playoff football game. On a torn ACL. Like, he went into the game with it. It's not like, oh, he tore it halfway through and they found out later. He went into the game with it, and he played on it. And then, by the way, was back at, not training camp, but wait for it, mini camp. A hundred days later. That's how tough that guy is. The other guys on the list, Joe Thornton. Played playoff hockey on a torn ACL a couple years ago for the Sharks. Um, Conor McGregor in the UFC fought for a championship and won on a torn ACL as well. Um, guys like that. <laughs> it's it's. I, I probably you don't you don't want to recommend that to athletes, but those are like the ultimate tough athletes. And Philip Rivers certainly on that list. Anyways, back to him. Matt Money Smith chargers play-by-play man on rivers on what's look what's ahead for the chargers here he is with Murphy and
3: tasker earlier today joined on the line right now by the play-by-play voice of the los angeles chargers happy to have matt money smith on the line with us matt hello it's john murphy and steve tasker in buffalo appreciate you coming on with us
4: Uh, happy to do it thanks for having me john steve how are you
3: we're good did you see this coming matt is is this uh, expected for the chargers to have uh, philip rivers part ways today
4: I think so. Yeah. I mean, as soon as, you know, I mean, he's in San Diego, he's been in that house for, you know, 15 years and to decide to pack up and move. Um, I, I think there was no reason he, look, he's not going to commute. He's, he's not going to leave his family behind and go play somewhere and, and then go see them in the off season. He's going to live at home and uh, he wants to be around the kids. So I think that signaled that uh, yes, the, the end was here. And, um, and I kind of got a sense, uh, you know, toward the end of the season, that he wanted to – you know, the career's coming to a, to a close. It's winding down, and, and he never was shy about what he wanted to do after he was done playing football, and that's moved back to Athens, Alabama and coach his kids playing high school football.
2: What's this mean for the Chargers? What are they going to do at quarterback moving forward? What do you think the tea leaves say?
4: Well, Steve, I think they're going to take some big swings. Um, I think they, A, will probably stick and pick at six. If their quarterback is there, I, I don't know who that quarterback is. If it's Tua, if it's Jordan Love, if it's Herbert – uh if they try to get aggressive and trade up for joe burrow but i I think that's certainly in play i think there's enough talent at the top of the draft if one of those guys is there that they would do that and then i think they'll take a swing with uh with tom brady and and see if they can try to figure out what it would take to get him to open that stadium uh with all those skill weapons you know with all those skilled positions you know being pretty darn impressive keenan allen mike williams hunter henry melvin gordon austin eckler they certainly would have to upgrade the offensive line, but it seems like there are some pieces available in free agency, and if they can get that to work, I think that would be best case.
3: Hey, back to Philip Rivers for a second, Matt. It seems to me, just from the outside looking in, he never really adopted the move to L.A. What was that, three years ago now? He never, what, felt comfortable, right? Long limousine rides to practice every day. He never really uh, bought into the move to L.A. Is that right?
4: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I don't know if bought in is necessarily what I would describe it as so much as I would say um, – he just wasn't ready to uproot his family from where he lived to figure, you know, where a lot of those players were Irvine, Newport beach, great communities with great schools. Uh, He's, you know, a devout Catholic, some really popular, you know, I've just full disclosure. My kids go to modern day. It's one of the best athletic schools in the nation and it's a Catholic school. But I think that's kind of what the first signal was for me that maybe when this contract ran out, he was going to be done, that he decided not to make that move knowing, Hey, I've probably got another five years left to play. And, Certainly all the pieces lined up for him to do that. And when he didn't, I think that signaled uh, that, that he was probably thinking about about somewhere else after this contract was up.
2: You you observe them closely. You've watched him play. How are his skills? What's he got left in the tank? So we've heard some rumblings that, yeah, it was a down year for him. Maybe it should started showing signs of slowing down as a quarterback. What do you see?
4: I think it's still there. I, I think if you put him on a team, you know, a lot of the speculation around the Colts, maybe with a really good offensive line, look, he is as good at diagnosing defense and, and cutting it up, given a chance as there is. And we saw that two years ago when, when I think he overcame some of the issues on the offensive line. And it was good enough, you know, with Russell with uh, Russell Okun at, at left and Sam Tevy seeming to, to settle in at right tackle. Uh, it was good enough for him. And I think you could see a similar season to that now. I'll say, you know, one of the things that did creep up this past year, if, if you want to look at all the interceptions, some of them are pretty bad. Uh, some of them, the pockets, you know, not breaking down, you know, to the point where he's got to get rid of that ball and, and he's throwing into double coverage or he's not seeing an underneath man, be it a linebacker or a safety that was there to to pick some off. And unfortunately, I think too often it was in critical situations, right? It's the red zone. It's at the end of the half. It's all of those things that cre- crept up, and I think that really – um put him at odds to some degree with the with the coaching staff and anthony lynn is a a no nonsense don't turn the ball over guy so i think that that may have led to a bit of an issue relationship wise with he and the coaching staff
2: well as you see him move on do you have any idea if throwing darts from the west coast like you guys are are there any teams that you think uh, are on his radar
4: yeah i think as i said the colts seem to be a good match you know frank reich was his offensive coordinator those two guys seem to get along really well um I think that, you know, just proximity-wise, you know, I think the, the Bucs, the, the Panthers, the Titans – look, the Titans – I'm trying to get this camera right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm not a good director at all. <laughs> um, the, the Titans, I think, were when, – when they benched Mariota, I, I think that one started to come – because, look, that's an hour away from Athens, Alabama, um, where he wants to live. And, and I think you look at that offensive line – there's some really good weapons there. If they decide that Ryan Tannehill isn't going to be the guy, that that one makes a lot of sense. But I would say, you know, if teams looking at a quarterback, uh, you know, look what Bruce Arians did, right, with with an older Carson Palmer. Um, and there are some darn good weapons down there as well.
3: No way that the uh, that the Los Angeles Chargers go with uh, Tyrod Taylor, right? I mean, they're going to have to add somebody, and I would think, like you said, a high-profile name to be to be in that quarterback room at least, right, Matt?
4: Yeah, I, I think I can't imagine them opening a, a seventy thousand seat state of the art venue uh, with him. The only way I can see that happening, John, is is if they somehow draft Tua, if if because that that's going to give you sizzle. That's going to get people in this town excited. I think one of the great. Maybe I don't want to I don't know if I want to call it a secret, but, you know, one of the underreported communities here in Southern California is the is the Samoan community, the Tongan community, the Polynesian community. It is vast and it is wildly supportive. So I think that could help you maybe have Tyrod be that bridge to Tua if you think it's not a red shirt here and he might be able to come back. But that would be the only way I, I think that combination is around. Otherwise, I think it's a big swing at one of those vets, be it a trade for Cam or, or hoping that somehow Tom Brady. Uh, thinks it's a good idea to to leave teams
2: will they do both will they draft a quarterback high and then still take a big swing at one of those guys
4: you know Steve it's interesting if it's Tom if it's Tom Brady I, I think you have to look at tackle at that number six spot um, or even maybe Isaiah Simmons just the idea of Perrin Simmons and Derwin James together uh, on a defense is I've got to believe it enticing for Gus Bradley if he'd have his way and again, with the tackles, be it Jedrick Wills or Makai Becton and, and just trying to get one of these, those two spots. If, if Okun can come back and then you can pair him, because you saw the difference in this Charger team when Okun was the left tackle versus when he wasn't. Um, and it was night and day. I mean, it, it was such a vast improvement. So I think if it is Brady, you, you very well could end up see them maybe going to the, to the offensive tackle position, um, just to try to solidify that, to keep him here for a few years. And, Matt,
3: the last thing I have for you, and you've said it a couple times, I get the sense, and I guess it makes sense, that the Chargers are looking to make a splash, and not just a quarterback, but they need to almost reboot the entire franchise moving into this new stadium in L.A. this year, huh?
4: Yeah, you know, the thing is they, they've got splash players, right? I mean, Eckler is as electric after the catch as is any bat you're gonna see in football right now. You've got Mike Williams for those big plays in the red zone. Keenan's always coming up with two or three big plays, Hunter Henry, you know, and, and granted maybe I'm biased because I'm getting into the name salad here, but my goodness, defensively, you got Joey Bosa, Derwin James. I mean, you've got Sizzle there. And and I think if somehow you can 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 get that quarterback right. It was just a team that was beset by injuries from day one and, and untimely turnovers that led to what was just a miserable season. That, that you know you entered with some high expectations.
2: What's what's the what are the projections for how well they're going to be received there? Um, you said some things about the Samoan population. If Tua Tagovailoa is is part of it or Marcus Mariota is part of it, um, what's the reception mm-hmm. going to be like? Uh, how are the season tickets going? I mean, all that stuff. How is that going to look like?
4: Yeah, I'll tell you, John. I don't know. Um, I really don't. It was so hard to tell with that last stadium and just how it went. And and I think for people that don't know, you know, that just saw the the 80-20 splits or the 75-25 splits with road fans, um, it was a premium price. You know, your your get-ins were about a buck fifty because of how many visiting fans were willing to pay it to go see a team in Southern California at a 23,000 seat venue. So it really priced a lot of the, the, I think, casual fans or the ones that wanted maybe a look-see out of the market. Um, We saw about, I'd say, if I could put a rough estimate, 30,000 Charger fans show up at the Coliseum when they played the Rams a couple years ago. And we've seen, you know, international games with a lot of attendance. We regularly see, you know, a couple thousand on the road. So it seems like they're there. Um, we'll figure out in a hurry whether or not they're willing to come in because they'll have $50 tickets now and a bunch of them in those upper levels uh, for this new stadium. So it's really hard for me to project what it's going to look like there. But certainly I think they – look, you put Tom Brady or Cam Newton on a roster, you're going to feel a lot better about selling tickets, no question.
3: Hey, Matt, thanks for spending minutes with us today. We appreciate it, and uh, good luck. I know you got a busy day. It's an end of an era for the Chargers, and we (laughs) thank you for coming on to uh, share your insight with us.
4: You got it, John. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Steve.
3: thanks, Matt. There he is good stuff from Matt Smith
1: on with Tasker and Murph earlier today on One Bills Live. That is not our interview of the day, though. It was good. You know, no offense to Matt Smith, but um, some XFL stuff. That's what I, w- I want to get into. Some XFL stuff, and um, I enjoyed it over the weekend, and. I don't know. I I think it did enough for me personally to want to get back to it and also maybe, you know, make a better so, make a better two, probably one, on who's going to win the championship. Like, I want to stay invested in it. And I think that, I don't know, I think it, it, it did enough to capture my imagination on Saturday and Sunday. So I watched a lot of that first game, D.C. versus Seattle. Cardell Jones- there's like a run in the early second half there. It's all former Bills. And like that, I've, maybe that helps it along because, you know, the guys, because they were Bills and most of the country doesn't know who they are. But that helped for me. Having Cardell Jones drop back to pass on a trick play and throw a touchdown pass to Kari Lee, who spent some time with the Bills at tight end. Cool. Having Austin Prohl go nuts for two touchdowns or whatever he had, like 10 catches. Cool. Like, I know that guy. I've heard of him. He was here once upon a time. And the sport itself, like, the football was good. It was better to me than what the AAF was last year. Like, just the quality of the football from what I saw opening weekend of the AAF. I never got back to that. Um, But the XFL, I can see myself for sure getting back. And the replay stuff. A lot of what you see today, reaction from the XFL weekend, a lot of it is, what can the NFL take from the XFL, because now we have, it's a small sample size, but we have a sample size of new innovative things, right? One of which, the only one I would make a serious argument for, I love the the, the extra point rule, um, so I guess I would say that one too. Like, I would love to see NFL teams get the option, get rid of the stupid kickoff or the kick, the field goal. If it's not a late game, game on the line field goal, the extra point field goal is the most bland play in the sport. That's really what the XFL did. That's why I like it. They eliminated all the boring plays in the NFL. The kickoff now is boring. Like 32% of kickoffs are even returned. The extra point is boring. It's not as boring as it was when it was 19 yards, but it still is. The XFL is like, we're throwing action, 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 action. We wanted people to be as interested as possible. That extra point rule does that. It adds strategy. So I'd love to see the NFL adopt that. But more importantly... They need, they, they really do, they need to adopt how the XFL does replays. Be open. Be forthcoming. Put microphones in the booth with the guys, with a guy in the stadium, watching the replays, who is in constant communication with the official. It went quickly. This weekend in the XFL... When they reviewed plays, it went quickly, and everybody heard exactly what was going on the whole time. You don't have a, a stupid—I'm not calling the—I'm not calling the the, the the former referee stupid, but the idea of it is stupid to me. Having a former official in the booth guessing at which direction the officials are going to go with the call in the field, and then often getting it wrong. And they're just going over and over and over, the same old replay. Instead, you put a microphone in there, you hear what they're discussing, you hear what their thought process is, and pe- people are less confused. It worked great. And to me, I think it's easier to stomach a long review when you hear exactly what's going on. Because otherwise, it just seems like you're just waiting around. And you still are kind of waiting around, but at least there's something to think about. At least you're you're seeing the process go down. Do it NFL. Like that, that, that's a simple one. Stick a microphone in a booth in the stadium with a guy who's watching replays. The XFL guy, by the way, was doing an Xbox controller, which is kind of cool. So, well, however, however it gets the job done, I don't mind it. More XFL or interview of the day. Frank Schwab from Yahoo. Lots to say on the weekend that was the opening weekend in the XFL. We will have him for you right after this. It's the nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR.